good? Yeah. So, all right. So it's Easter, and I want to I want to continue the questions. I, I have some I have some things I just want to mess with your mind a little bit. I got a quick question for you. How many remember the Evil Queen from Snow White? Evil Queen from Snow White. Here, here's a picture of her. Remember Evil Queen from Snow White? What does she say into the mirror? Yeah, so if you, a lot of you probably said this, mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the fairest of them all? Well, of course, Josh McDonald. Uh, well, you don't laugh at those kind of jokes. You just say, amen. That's an amen, not a laugh point. Uh, it, here's what, you ready? She actually says, magic mirror on the wall. Yeah, yeah, I'm messing with your mind a little bit this morning. Go back and watch it. I, I went and confirmed this. This is the, what she says in her when she's speaking. Now, the new one, if you watch the new, who's the, the huntsman, that she says, mirror, mirror on the wall. She's, she's the Antichrist. Anyways, uh, <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. She's not the Antichrist. <laughs> I used that joke in the first service, and somebody came to me afterwards and like, you might want not want to say that because people might think you really think that. I'm joking. It's just a joke. Stick with me. Okay. Okay. Here's another one for you. you guys, who, who grew up with these guys? Reading Rainbow? Come on. And they, wh- hey, what's their names? The Bear? The Berenstain Bears? Nope. They're the Baron Stain Bears. What? Yeah. Yeah, you did. yeah. Okay. You ready for another one? Darth Vader. Okay. Star Wars. Episode 5. The Empire Strikes Back. What does Darth Vader say to Luke Skywalker in their epic battle? I, I, got, the, I got the movie voice there, didn't I? Okay, they're, they're fighting. The sabers are going. Luke loses a hand. He crawls out onto the uh, little thing out there. And, he, and what, what does he say? Say it with me. Or Tom, you can do Tommy Boy and do it in the fan. <laughs> yes, I just referenced Tommy Boy in my message. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry if you're a guest. This is as good as it gets. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, what does he say? Luke. Yeah, everybody thinks he says Luke, I'm Skywalker. I got proof that's not what he says. Watch. Obi-Wan never told you what happened to your father. He told me enough. He told me to Not Luke. No. I am your father. Yeah, I'm messing your Easter up. You're all going to go home and be like, he, he edited that. Go home and watch the movie. I did not edit that. That is what he said. Okay, okay, now, okay. Let me get, let me, let me get religious all on you, okay? Let's go to the Bible, okay? What two types of animals are going to lie down together? Well, let's say it real loud. Lion and the lamb. You see pictures like this all the time with the lion and the lamb. And even with the little quote there, they will not do any harm to, or cause any ruin. Except for that verse, Isaiah eleven six does not say lion and lamb. It actually says the wolf and the lamb. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. Amen. You can go home now. You have learned on Easter Sunday. Yeah. What? See, here, here's, the, here's the thing. So many times we hear things over and over and over again that we begin to believe them as truth. So when we keep hearing the same topics and the same things over and over again, we think that that's actually the truth. And we begin to he- believe things that never were meant to be believed. And this is why we're going into a series called Failing Faith. 
failing faith. Because many times we look at our lives and we think God isn't working out the way I thought he was supposed to work out. I thought he was supposed to do certain things. I thought he was supposed to show up in a certain way. I thought he was going to do a certain thing. But the problem is, is we look at our lives and go, that's not happening. But here's the truth. If you learn it wrong, you will live it wrong. If you learn it wrong, you will live it wrong. And this is where we're going to go through this series. And, and, and the good news is, as many of you, as we walk through those silly examples uh, of what, the, what the things we've gotten wrong and why we believed them, is that we're not the first to do that. We're not the first to have this idea of what is happening and, and things that we put into what, what, what we want to believe. It all goes back. You can define this at the cross. At the foundation of our Christian faith, you can find this example. In John chapter 19, verse 25... It says that this is the story, this is happening. They're at the cross. Jesus has been crucified. And here they are. It says in John chapter 19, verse 25, it says they're standing near the cross where Jesus's mother and his mother's sister, Mary, and the, the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. They're all standing near it. Now, I got to point out something here. Parents had a real bad issue with being creative with their names because it's Mary, Mary, Mary's sister and Mary. <laughs> they, they're not a lot of creativity there, but here they are. At the cross, looking up at their son, their friend, the one they thought was going to be the Messiah. The one they thought was going to be the one who would change all their situations. They thought that this was the man who just a few days earlier had come down into Jerusalem as the triumphal march was taking place. Palm branches throwing out, people screaming his name, people yelling and saying that he is the Messiah. They're all excited and they are seeing everything that they had thought was going to happen. So for three and a half years, they've been watching miracles and people being raised from the dead and, and deaf being he able to hear and the blind being able to see and all these things happening. He's walking on water. He's breaking the bread and, and feeding 5,000. He's doing all these crazy things and he's supposed to be their Messiah and now... They're watching him die. Now, we're on this side of history. We know the other side of the story. They didn't. So I want you to grasp what they're picturing as they're, as they're sitting there. They're, they're losing their Messiah. The one who was in their mind and the way that they believed was that Jesus was going to come in as the Messiah was going to do a physical battle with the Romans, get rid of them out of Jerusalem, out of Israel. He was going to take his spot, and Israel would rise to be the, the rightful place of the chosen nation. But instead, is there, I, I'm hearing feedback. Sorry. Uh, so instead, they are sitting there looking at, at their Savior dying. They're watching him die on the cross. Now, in our mind, we think the cross is the symbol of Christianity, right? We see that. We, we, many of you probably have a, ne a necklace on today with the cross hanging off of it. It's not, that's not wrong. That's not a problem. But the, the, in their situation, the cross was not a symbol of, of Jesus. It wasn't a symbol of anything good. It was a symbol of the Roman oppressive empire that was holding them captive. And here they are looking at the one who was supposed to get them, get rid of the, this oppressive empire. And here they are, he's dying on the symbol of their country. So much so that just a few years later, Josephus, a, a Jewish historian, writes that uh, so many Jews would die on a cross that the Romans would run out of timber. 
See, this wasn't a symbol of victory. This wasn't a symbol of something good to come. Today it is, then it wasn't. So they're looking at this cross. They're looking at this situation. And so John has written that they're watching this to happen. Another uh, biography of Jesus is, is in, the, uh, in the Gospel of Luke. So it, there's four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke uh, are all synoptic Gospels, meaning they all kind of line up. They have, tell the same stories from different perspectives. John gives us a, a unique perspective into it. And he gives us this picture of these people, this, these women, watching Jesus die. Now let's go over to Luke. In Luke chapter 23, it says that these the same women were there to follow. They watched Jesus die. They followed him to where, when he was taken off the cross, they followed him to the tomb that he was going to be buried in. And, and it says in uh, Luke chapter 23, verse 55, that they watched him be buried in the tomb. Then they go off to make spices and ointment to anoint his body for the burial and the death. This was a normal process that they would go through. They went back to make those, but by the time they got finished making them, it was the Sabbath and they couldn't go back. So Friday night he dies. Friday night they watch him get put into a tomb. They watch a stone be placed in front of the tomb. Saturday no one goes back because it's the Sabbath. They don't work on the Sabbath. Sunday morning comes along. And this is where they says in, in Luke chapter 24, verse 1, it says, But very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So here they are, it's Sunday morning. They're able to go back to the, doing the normal routines. And then it continues, it says, he, oh, I'm sorry, they, so they find the empty tomb. And there's two angels that approach them and say, hey, he isn't. Here, he is risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee. Remember what he told you. That the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of a sinful man, a sinful man and be crucified. And that he would rise again on the third day. Remember that? And then verse 8 says, The women, then they remembered that he had said this. Now, of course the women remember him saying this. Women never forget anything a man says. Uh-huh. <laughs> Sometimes they make it up. Anyway, uh, don't throw anything. Uh, <laughs> they remember, of course, they remember what he, he said. They, oh, yes, he did tell us this. So now they go back. They say, so they rush back from the tomb to tell the 11 disciples and everyone else what had happened. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and several other women who had told the apostles what had happened. Now, I want you to see this. Again, women going back. So at the, at, the, uh, at the cross, women who are there to watch him die. Women who follow him to the tomb to watch him be put into the tomb. Then here we have women going back. This, the same, probably the same group of women minus Mary, the mother of Jesus, is the only one missing here. Go back and run, tell the disciples, hey, the, the tomb's empty. And here, here's what the men do. It says that, uh, but the story sounded like nonsense to the men. So, so they didn't believe it. <laughs> okay, let me, how many times have we men heard our wives telling us, I don't need to listen to her. She don't know what she's talking about. And they were right. It's never happened to me personally, but it may have happened to you. Don't tell my wife I said that. <laughs> they go back, they tell 11 men, hey, that the, the tomb's empty. And they said, it sounds like nonsense. Now, here, here's what I want to point out real quickly, is that if you're here this morning, the, the, there's somebody here this morning that's probably got dragged here. You, you, parent, mom, said, hey, you're going to church, it's Easter. 
then you can get your Easter dinner and your Easter basket, okay? Yes, you're 25 and you still get an Easter basket. We'll talk about that later. But, but you said, hey, uh, you got drug here and you're, you're, you're like, I don't know if I even believe in this stuff. It's okay. It's okay. Even the disciples said, that sounds like nonsense. That doesn't even make sense. Why would that happen? So if you're a critic here this morning, number one, thank you for being here. Thank you for being drug here. And number two, thank you for asking questions because it's okay to ask questions. Even the disciples did so. So it says that they, uh, they said it was a bunch of nonsense. And then we're going to jump into this, uh, this next part of the story that Luke tells us is that in uh, chapter 24, it says that same day, two disciples, that same day, two, or two of Jesus' followers we're walking to the, uh, to the village of Emmaus. Now, in a minute, you're going to find out that the one guy's name was Cleopas. It's the one who speaks in this story from Luke's account. In John's story, when John's account, he says that it's Mary, the wife of Clopas. Now, most scholars believe that they're the same name, just uh, changing. The, 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 be like your name is Thomas, but you go by Tom. So here, it's, it's, Cleo, it's Clopas, and the other one's Cleopas. I'm going to go with Cleo. So here's Cleo and his wife, Mary. Most scholars believe that this married couple, most likely Cleopas who, uh, and his wife, Mary, who was at the crucifixion, who watched Jesus die, who watched him be put into the tomb, who went to the tomb with the spices and Jesus wasn't there. Okay, so here they are. They're walking along from the, to the village of Emmaus, which is seven miles from Jerusalem. Now, Luke is very detailed. He's a physician. So when he begins his account in Luke chapter 1, he says, I have surveyed everybody. I've talked to the eyewitnesses, and I've experienced much of this myself, and I want to give you a detailed account. And here he is giving you a detailed account exactly seven miles to, the, to Emmaus. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. Now, okay, go with me for a minute, because here's how I vision this. Cleo... And Mary, okay. This is what's the, this is the scenario. Mary, I told you you should have should have went to the tomb. I told you it was empty, and you didn't listen to me at all. I can't believe you didn't even believe me in front of everybody. I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> and, and, and Cleo, poor Cleo's like, I'm sorry. I should have went. And he's got to hear this the whole way to Emmaus. Okay, it's the, this conversation is not stopping. <laughs> but they're talking about this situation that just took place. Jesus going down in the triumphal entry. Jesus going and being tried unjustly in front of a bunch of uh, people who made up a, a false witnesses. Jesus being put on uh, uh, on display as he was whipped and the crown of thorns was put on his head. Jesus as he was taken to the uh, to the mount to be crucified. Jesus as he was taken down. Jesus as he was put in the tomb. Jesus not in the tomb. And they're having this discussion. And as they're having this discussion, it says, Luke says, there's another guy came along. And uh, he says, as they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. Now, this is, this is fun because here's Jesus walking with some of his followers. They've been with him. They've been close to him. And here he is walking with them. But God is keeping them from recognizing him. So it says that as they walked, he asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walked along? And they stopped abruptly. What? Are you serious? You don't know what we're talking about? 
And he, they stopped short and sadness written across their faces. He, then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there the last few days. Are you been under a stone? What have you been doing in Jerusalem these past three days? And he says, uh, Jesus, I love this. Jesus goes, what things? <laughs> Jesus is messing with them. I love it because, okay, reason one I like this is because Jesus is messing with them and he's got to have a smirk on his face. He's like, <laughs> yeah. And then two is he's just messing with them. I like this because have you ever felt like Jesus is messing with you? Like you're like, God, I need an exact answer right now, write it in the sky. And then Jesus is like, what? What things? What's the problem? What are you? And you're like, uh, answer now. And Jesus is just like, You'll figure it out. Hold on. And here it goes. It says, so then Cleo gets into details. He says, the things that happened to Jesus, <laughs> the man from Nazareth. And here it is. This is funny because now Cleo is telling Jesus about Jesus. <laughs> and, and so here he is. Jesus is like, has to be going. Yeah, I know. I lived it. And here's Cleo's telling Jesus about Jesus. And watch what he says. He says that Jesus, the man from Nazareth, he was a prophet. There's, there's a doubt. There's that he's, the tomb's empty, but they must have hit his body because he was a prophet. He's dead now. And that he, uh, he was a mighty teacher, he, uh, who did powerful miracles. And he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. And then he says, but, but see, <laughs> there he is. He's saying everything was in place. He was the powerful teacher. He, a powerful miracle worker. He was doing all the things that the Messiah was supposed to do. Everything was in line. I had it all set up. I went to college when I was supposed to go to college. I got married when I was supposed to get married. And now it's all messed up. What happened? I was working as hard as I could work, but the job was ripped out from me. I was doing everything I was doing, but my spouse walked out the door. I was doing everything. Everything was lined up the way it was supposed to do, but now it's all gone. It's all gone. Because the... The leading, the leading priest and the religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and they crucified him. They crucified him. All my hope is now dead. And here's what he says. And we had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. So we had hoped that he would fix my marriage. We had hoped that he would fix my job situation. He would fix the finances. We hoped that he would fix my grades because I didn't study. <laughs> we hoped, we hoped. But my hope's dead now. I had hoped it would be fixed. But it's not going to happen now. This all happened three days ago. And then Jesus turns back to him and says to him, to him go to the next scripture, please. Oh, thank you. There it is. It's got my notes there. So this is what happens. When our hope is gone, we have failing faith. He says, in this situation, our faith either tells us, my faith isn't big enough. My faith isn't enough. Or, my God isn't enough. And that's what we're going to just walk through this next four weeks, is that many times when we think that it's, it's something that we're doing wrong, or God's not doing right. And we have this situation where our faith is challenged. And, and I'm going I'm to be, go through over the next few weeks, challenging us to look at how we've approached 
the situation because Jesus turns on them, turns to them and begins to teach them. Watch what he does. He says to them in uh, verse 22, then some women from, oh, oh man, thank you, man. This is big because I need you to catch this. It says that Jesus uh, saw that he was, um, that he, he was, they were misunderstanding him. They didn't understand why he was dying. They didn't understand that he, he was at the tomb. So their faith is gone with what they had hoped for. And then Cleo continues on. He says, then some of our women from our group and of his followers were at his tomb early this morning. And they came back with an amazing report. They came back with an amazing report. See, here's what happens. We get our hope dashed. And everything's falling apart in our lives. And we look across the street to someone else who's living the life we dream for. And they've got all the amazing reports. They've got the job we want, the family we want, the situations we want. They've got the bank account we want. Everything that we want, they've got. And we're sitting there going, why hasn't it happened to me? My hope's gone and everybody else is getting what I should have gotten. The pie's not big enough. I'm going to have to dig in. And so we have here, it just compounds the situation and the confusion that's going on in Cleo and Mary's mind. And then he, Jesus, uh, they said his body was missing. They had seen all the angels who told them Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to see. Sure enough, his body was gone, just as the women had said. And then, it, it, the next verse, then Jesus said to them, you foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Now, here, here's where I want you to understand something. If you came in here today, many times we think, well, faith is just that, faith. I got to believe it's blind faith. And Jesus never asks us to have blind faith. He says, yes, part of it is faith. Part of, part of it is being emotional and being pulled into it. Some of it is the heart. The heart needs to be there, but it's also the head. So Jesus walks them through and he says, let me show you in the scriptures. He says, wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from the scriptures the things concerning him self now wouldn't you like to be a part of that story because here's what jesus does jesus takes them uh, as they're walking and have all these questions he takes them back to the old testament and shows them in the in moses and the prophets and all throughout the old testament which we call the old testament that was the first covenant he takes them back to those writings and this is the only thing they knew he says look where i showed you it was going to happen and this is why it's so valuable i don't if jesus quotes the new testament more than our quotes the old testament more than anything else he constantly goes back to the old testament and uses it to show him and here he is doing it again wouldn't you like to be part of that discussion i'd like to know how cleo and and mary heard about all how jesus walked them through the writings to show where he was in them the good news is you have it it's called the new testament New Testament shows us just how Jesus fulfilled every Old Testament prophecy, shows us how he lived those lives out, how he made that happen, and all those writings. We're going to go into a, uh, in a few weeks called uh, a series called Letters for Leaders, and we're going to see how Paul quoted the Old Testament to show us how Jesus Christ fulfilled everything that was called for. He walks them through. He says that, that uh, Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and the prophets. And he says that this, he keep, by this time they were nearing Emmaus and by the end of their journey. So they're approaching the seven, end of their seven mile trek. And Jesus acted as if he was going on. Again, Jesus is messing with them. And they said, well, why don't you have dinner with us? Stay the night. And since it's getting late. So he went home with them. And they, uh, as they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. We don't know exactly what happens here. 
We don't know if he broke it the way that he broke it, broke bread when he fed the 5,000 or fed the 3,000. We don't know. Maybe he broke it just as he did a few days earlier at the Passover dinner, as he shared it with his disciples and he broke bread. But something happens because the next verse says that suddenly their eyes were open and they recognized him. And as soon as they recognized him, Jesus vanished. <laughs> Oh, man, what amazing experience. Now, what is really cool here is that Luke is doing something that is powerful. It's called a remez. In Hebrew, in the Hebrew uh, uh, language, it's R-E-M-E-Z, a remez. And what it is is he's calling to those folks that are reading his letter and writing the biography. He's calling them to remember something that's already been stated before. It's like me using a quote from Tommy Boy. You all went there, right? You all knew exactly what I was saying because it resonated with you. Here, Luke is doing the same thing. He's going, here's what happened. Suddenly their eyes were open and they recognized. He takes them back. The Remez takes them back to the very beginning, Genesis chapter 3. In Genesis chapter 3, there's another couple having dinner. Another couple is go at the tree in verse uh, Genesis chapter three, verse six. It says the woman was convinced by the serpent that the fruit was not bad. It was something good. And so she she saw that the tree was beautiful and the fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom uh, it would give her. So remember the story. Adam and Eve are in the garden. Eve is being deceived by the serpent. He tells her the fruit's going to be okay. She, so she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. Then what happens? Look at this. Here's the exact words. Then the eyes of both of them were open and they realized. See, the Hebrew reader immediately went back to this moment, back to the time, because here's what took place. In Genesis chapter 3, they realized that they were naked. Their eyes were suddenly opened and they realized that they were what? Naked. And because of their nakedness, they realized that sin and death had entered into their world. Their choice re- opened their eyes to realize that now sin and death was in their world. In Luke chapter 24, it says that they, uh, their eyes were suddenly open and they recognized what? Jesus. And when they recognized Jesus, immediately Luke is pr- right in a parallel that he, he has overcome death and sin. The parallel is amazing. Luke is showing us that at the beginning of time, one man made it so that no man could have a relationship with God without a sacrificial death. Now the sacrificial death has taken place and now there is victory over death and the grave and sin. What's the difference? A cross and an empty tomb. A cross and an empty tomb. Luke does something here to show us That the expectations that they had of a Messiah changing an earthly kingdom wasn't anything to do with an earthly kingdom. It had to do with victory over sin and death. Sin and death. In this situation, we see something happen that is beautiful. We must die to our expectations to experience the new thing God is doing in our midst. See, the thing that changed for Cleopas and Mary was that their expectation of the Messiah changed. They saw in the Old Testament how Jesus was really going to be the Messiah. And because they understood that and saw it happen, 
they understood that the experience that God had for them was new. Here's my challenge to you this morning. Is that, are you holding on to some expectations that God never promised? Are you holding on to some things that are keeping you from experiencing what God actually has for you in your life? Because you're holding on to some thoughts that you think are true, but really God never gave us that promise. The promise he gave to us was that he overcame sin and death. And because he overcame sin and death on the cross, we can have eternal life and a relationship with our Heavenly Father. It's, it's a, a beautiful, beautiful story. And what happens next is even uh, more amazing because it says that they said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? So as my head opened up and he was explaining to my head, my heart opened up. And here's what I hope that has happened at some point this morning is that you have been hearing this message and you've been walking through the scriptures and revisiting a story that you probably already knew that your heart began to burn and uh, that your eyes were open. And the whole purpose that Jesus came is in Acts chapter 17. He says that the purpose uh, was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Though he is not far from any one of us. See, this is, this is the beauty of the, today's story. It's not just a story. In 1 Corinthians, it says that Paul it goes back and says that over 500 people witnessed Jesus resurrected. In today's court, it takes one eyewitness. One eyewitness to be a reliable witness. 500 at one time saw Jesus. Why did he do all that he did to draw you, to draw you, and to let you know he's not far from you? He's not far from you. Here, here's what I know. In this room are four types of people. There's four types of people that came here. The first one is the one that got drug here and doesn't believe in God. You don't want to believe in God. Even as you heard this message and you experienced the worship and you even felt something this morning, you you immediately bristled. And you said words like, I doubt I'll ever believe. See, at the bottom of your notes, there's there's the A, B, C, D. For those of you that are a D, I want to challenge you to go ahead and circle that. And say, I'm a D, I doubt I'll ever, ever believe this. And that's okay. I'm glad you're here this morning. I'm glad you're here, and I, I want you to go ahead and circle that and let us know that you're a D, because I want to tell you something. I'm going to start praying for you. And no, I'm not going to pray that lightning strikes you. <laughs> I'm going to be praying that God would speak into your life, that he would be so real to you that you cannot reject him. And as much as you try to put up a wall against him, that he will continually knock at that door, and eventually you'll answer. And then there's the third type. That's those that are considering. You heard this message. You, you, you've, been, you've been feeling God in different way, areas of your life, and you're considering this. And he, here's what I want you to do. I, I want to challenge you to circle that, let us know. And I want you to consider also coming to the next uh, four weeks of the series and, and take some steps and, and, and allow your faith to be questioned. Allow some things to, to be challenged in your life and to consider what's happening in your life. And I also like to, to, for you to consider spending some time with the person that drug you here and let them know, let them tell them, 
let them tell you their story because they have a testimony. Then there's the, those that are here that are the B. You're beginning today. Today, you're beginning a relationship with him. For some of you, it's going to be the first time you've ever had a relationship with your heavenly father. Something clicked today that you realize that your Lord loved you so much that he died on the cross for you. That he allowed himself to be put through that torturous situation, to be buried and then resurrected so that his spirit would be available to you today. Some of you, you came here this morning in 2019 has beat you up. And you're here going, I, I need to get back to God. I need to get back to that relationship I once had. We call that a life decision. So whether you're here this morning and you're beginning a relationship or maybe you're renewing a relationship, go ahead and circle that B and say, We're, I'm, I'm taking that path. And I want to pray a prayer right now. If you're here and you want to, you're taking that and you're saying, I'm making a life decision this morning, with every head bowed and every eye closed, you can pray this prayer with the same words I use. You can say it in your own way. You can say it out loud or to yourself. But Lord Jesus, thank you for this Resurrection Sunday. Thank you that you gave your life for me. That your death paid the price for my sins. Today, I turn to you. I give you my life. I want to follow after you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you filled that out, let us know that you've taken that step. And be sure to make, uh, put your address on there. We want to give you some, send you some resources to help you on that journey. Then there's the fourth type. You're already a follower of Jesus Christ, and you came here this morning to celebrate. 